I don't go to church very much because there are just so many things I have to get done. I don't go to church because my parents didn't think it was important, except to make my first communion and confirmation, a college student once told me. I don't go to church because I don't get anything out of it. That was the complaint of a middle-aged person. I don't need church. Nature is my cathedral, said another. I don't have time for church. My wife and I are pushed and pulled in a thousand directions trying to raise a family, keep our kids in healthy activities while pursuing our careers, and we're exhausted by the end of the week, and Sunday's the only time we can sleep in. Take every reason we have either heard or perhaps used at some point in our lives to explain why worship was no longer a value and ask this one question. What do they all have in common? And the answer is simple. Jesus stopped being the treasure we once discovered. He was no longer the pearl of great value. Something or someone became more important. I understand it's a terrible thing to say. It's a terrible thing to hear. But it is the truth. There was a time when I was a young man, I wasn't Catholic yet, and I went church shopping. And I had a list of expectations that I had for a church. I thought I found the church I wanted until one day I was confronted by my pastor for not being faithful in attending the Sunday worship. Indignant, I rattled off the usual excuses. I'm a student, I've got a full-time job, yada, 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 yada. But then I added, but I keep Jesus in my heart. You ever hear that one? Isn't enough to make you vomit. And I don't have to go to church to show Jesus that I love him. And the height of arrogance, Jesus understands. The wise pastor simply said, you're right, son. Jesus understands. The problem is, you don't. I was offended. And determined to never darken the door of that church again, I walked out. But I could not stop thinking about the pastor's words. You see, that's what truth does. We're designed for truth, even when it stings, even when it makes us angry. Truth never changes, but it's always calling us to change. And the pastor was right. Jesus understood perfectly well why I made excuses to avoid church service. But I refused to see the real reason. Jesus was no longer my treasure. He was no longer the pearl of great value. 
Oh, I kept remnants of Jesus around. I'm quoting Bible verses, maybe going to an occasional Bible study, talking about faith. Truth be told, I had stopped loving him. Jesus was okay so long as he was convenient, so long as he fit into the little corner of my life that I had set aside, that I had designated for him. But he was not at the center of my life. That was the painful truth I could not escape. That is the truth beneath all the excuses we make to avoid worship, no matter how much we protest against the truth. Would that describe somebody you know right now? Would it describe you? The problem is that as fallen creatures, we are susceptible to the illusion that worshiping God is something we do, just out of the kindness of our hearts. It isn't. It is a grace through which we receive grace to be constantly renewed and open to even more grace. That's why worship is serious. That's why it takes effort that's why it is not entertainment or an infusion of warm, fuzzy feelings, but rather to be encountered, transformed by holy mystery. And if you don't think God takes worship seriously, I dare you to read the book of Exodus chapters 25. 26, 27, 28, 29, 30. Six chapters. You will never be able to say again, well, I can worship God in the cathedral of nature or some other lame excuse. God did not give all those detailed instructions of how he was to be worshipped for his sake. He doesn't need our worship, unlike the gods of the pagans. He knows that we need to worship him because it is through worship we grow into who we truly are and are drawn closer to him. And if we do not worship him, if we do not worship him correctly, we will find something else to worship, a political ideology, the state, a creature, our jobs, ourselves and it will always end in tragedy. I'm one of those priests that tends to get into a fair amount of trouble with bishops. I'm on my fourth one now, and I probably will still run that same avenue here. But, and I get into trouble when they hear through the grapevine that I have actually told people there are valid reasons for missing mass. The kids are sick. The spouse has to be away on a business trip, and it's just not possible for one parent to get them all up and readied and go to Mass. Traveling and you can't find a church. The boss calls and insists you've got to come into work because a colleague is unable to make it. Your next-door neighbor is having a serious crisis, and you're the only one around to help. Ranchers are in the middle of calving. We're having some serious problems with the livestock. 
Farmers have to get their hay crop up before an incoming hailstorm hits. Yes, there can indeed be valid reasons for missing worship. Here's the problem. Very quickly, our fallen nature morphs legitimate excuses into other excuses. I'm too tired. It's been a stressful week. I don't want to fight with the kids to get them ready for church. Oh, I really just want to go up to the cabin and get away for the weekend. And yada, yada, yada. We underestimate how brilliant our fallen nature is in getting us to believe our own lies. Before you know it, the legitimate reasons that morphed into excuses have morphed into the habit of not going at all. And I don't give a hoot which church you belong to. I've seen it as a Protestant, and I see it as a Catholic. We insist, of course, that we still love Jesus. We I love that. We keep Jesus in our heart. Ugh. We still call ourselves disciples. They're hollow claims. It's a little bit like saying, I love my wife. I love my friends. I love my kids. While we make all kinds of excuses to avoid spending time with them. And isn't it true that spending time with someone, spending time with God, is the greatest gift we mortals can offer since our time in this world is so short, so limited, and so precious? When challenged, we'll chant the magical mantra, Jesus understands. As that wise pastor said to me, though, yeah, <laughs> Jesus understands. We don't. He understands that we have ceased to make him our treasure, our pearl of great value. If we deny ourselves the gift of worship, listening to Jesus' word and the proclamation of his living gospel and his community, the church he personally established, and receiving his body and blood in the mystery of the Eucharist, then it's only a matter of time before everyone and everything that enriches our lives begins to be taken for granted, underappreciated for the blessings they really are, and those relationships can begin to unravel. One Sunday morning, as I was greeting people at the entrance of the church, a man came up and I shook his hand and I said, where are you from? Because I didn't recognize him. And he kind of bypassed and he said, Father, how's your insurance? And I thought, uh-uh. I said, well, pretty darn good. Why? Well, when I walk into that church, it's probably going to collapse. It's been decades since I've been to Mass. And I really feel pretty ashamed. I said, I congratulate you for listening to the better part of your nature that's responding to grace, saying yes to grace, to divine love, and coming back to the center of life, union with Jesus in the gift, the grace of worship. 
he rediscovered the treasure, the pearl of great value. Two weeks ago, Jesus taught us that his father scatters his seed, his grace, his love on all kinds of soil deliberately because he knows even a hardened path can become rich soil. Last week, Jesus taught us that the weeds, the children of the evil one, should not be plucked from the wheat, the children of the kingdom, because grace can transform the children of the evil one into children of the kingdom. And today he teaches us that in the net, his church, grace can transform bad fish into good fish. There is always hope. Jesus never stops seeing each of us as his treasure, his pearl of great value. That's why he went to the cross. But is he our treasure? Is he our pearl of great value? 